I assert that Jesus is the only perfect leader that has ever existed. Some, if not many, might argue against my assertion for various reasons. As the psalmist says, and they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Psalm 73, 11. But the fact remains, Jesus brought a salvation message for a lost people. And his message can eternally save people. So he asks and expects his church, his people, to follow him as their leader. How many of you think that a leader does, shouldn't have to ask a thing? Everybody just follow, do what I say. But Jesus asks us, hey, follow me. I expect it. Follow me. Yet throughout the history of mankind, there have been many types of leaders, some good and some bad, and we can look at those leaders and, and learn from them. But the leader who does the will of God, the leader who does the will of God, that is the one who will be blessed by God. The lesson is, a leader who does, knows God, accepts the role, and meditates. The first point, knows God. Do you believe God knows what he's doing? Do you believe God knows what he is doing? If we listen to our men's class this morning, in the times when we're low or angry, we don't necessarily talk to God like he knows what he's doing. I believe you do know God knows what he's doing. But if you were like me, you might cock your head a little bit and be curious. <laughs> That's a nice word, curious. As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child. So you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 5. So I will understand if you have a few questions for him. I have some questions. The scripture is filled with questions. God, why do you allow? God, when will you come back? God, why did this happen? So we struggle. We struggle with understanding and with, we struggle with accepting certain things. But as we struggle, hopefully, you will agree with me. You will grow in your faith if you hold fast to the hope you have in Jesus Christ. Amen. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord against those who do evil. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. God wants us to know him. This means we can learn about him. As Job says, Remember to extol his work, of which men have sung. All mankind has looked on it. Man beholds it from afar. Behold, God is great, and we know him not. The number of his years are unsearchable. Job 36, 24 through 26. So God wants us 
<clears throat> since he is so vast in his greatness and who he is, he wants us to understand the things that he has given us to understand that are important to him. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore, they speak from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. But this we know that the spirit of, by this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 1 John chapter 4, 4 through 6. We need to put God first. Learn about him. Study what he has divulged. Understand his ways that he has declared. So a leader who knows God will put God first. Would you agree? That's the type of leader that's going to receive blessings from God. And how do we do this? Well, learning about the riches of his understanding given to us in his word. As Solomon asked God early on, give your servant therefore an understanding mind to govern your people that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to govern this your great people. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 9. People need to put God first. A, laid, a leader who does know God will understand this. The second point, a leader who knows God accepts the role. Today we have what I call role confusion, to put it mildly. What is your role, for instance? Scripture talks about the role of men and women, for example. And our society has done a good job in distorting that, even to call men women and women men. Oh. But Paul speaks against this type of perversion. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, See, there's something about putting God first again, right? God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done, Romans 1.28. So it is important to accept how God created you biologically. I would say there's more men, biological, who struggle with what God wants them to do. Not only will it be pleasing to God if you accept how God created you as an individual, it will show how willing you are to accept your potential role of leadership. In church? In family? In the secular society, we need leaders who are Christian leaders, men and women, who will stand up for the truth and put God first and do a good job for the occupation they're in. Moses, the one who gave God a few excuses not to lead in God's purpose, accepted the role given and expected of him. There is much responsibility in leadership roles. Not saying serving roles don't have their responsibilities as well, and that's not a... 
that, that it is not a form of leadership. But a leadership role must put God first. How many times have I said that? Uh, that that's pretty dominant. And Moses, for the most part, showed this example. And it paid off. For through Joseph, the leadership God wanted for his people carried on. Joshua needed some encouragement, though, didn't he? Joshua 1.6. He did a good, he did what any good leader of God should do. He obeyed God. And he considered God's ways often. God must be involved in your leadership role. That kind of puts you in the background a little bit. For if we look through Joshua, who does Joshua say won all the battles? Was it Joshua? It was God. Joshua knew his place, but he took that leadership role that God gave him, putting God first. God must be involved. And God said to Joshua, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Joshua 1.5. So everything in the book of Joshua for the people of Israel went smoothly and perfectly. Is that, is that what's going on here? Everything just glided. No sweat, no effort. No challenges? No. We need to follow God's path. I imagine Moses and Joshua were close friends. Although separated by many years as they got older together, that doesn't matter as much, does it? I think they were close friends. Joshua is with Moses seemingly, from, from my investigation, from the point when Moses returned from Midian, at Mount Sinai and the giving of the law, wandering in the wilderness, and up to the point of going into the promised land. And Joshua, believe it or not, was around 85 when he took that leadership position. When Moses died at 120. Their relationship lasted at least 40 years. That's the time in the wilderness at least, so it's more than that. But I don't think Joshua accepted his role blindly. He had no role confusion. He was not going to steal Moses' role, as Moses' brother and sister seemed to want to do. That wasn't a good thing. And he was going to follow God's path of leadership. A good leader is very well trained for the task. And God said to Joshua, only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according that is all that the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right. Do not turn to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Joshua 1.7. A leader who does, third point, is meditates. This one might seem a little odd, but we need to define what meditation is. And I propose, and it's actually in God's word, in Joshua 1 through 9, that a good leader meditates on God's word. There are different kinds of meditation. The type where you 
Empty your mind and you become one with the universe, I say sarcastically, as you see in some of the Eastern philosophies. Or the type that might help with your anxiety to help calm you down. I, I like that one. The breathing techniques. That's a form of meditation. Then there is meditation on God's word, pondering it, considering it. As a teacher of mine often said, meditating is like having a candy sucker that you suck on all day and it never goes away. You just think about it and you think about it and you consider that all day sucker. You lick it all day long. God said to Joshua, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. How often? Day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written, Joshua 1.8. Well, if it's good enough for a leader, it should be good enough for all of us, right? Meditate on his word. How often? Day and night. If you want to be a leader for God, how important is it for you to know the word of God? Well, Joshua had to know the law of Moses. That's Genesis through Deuteronomy that was written at the time. And there's a lot of statutes in there and the Ten Commandments and the statutes that follow the covenant of blessings and curses and things of that nature. To be able to implement it in your life and to guide the lives of others, you got to know what you're talking about and, and learn it. The psalmist says, I delight to, your, to do your will. Oh my God. Your law is within my heart. So sometimes we might ask, well, why not this person or why not that person? A couple character counts of a leader of a congregation, for example, an elder, perhaps the deacons, for instance. They're not to be novices, that is, young in the faith, 1 Timothy 3.6. And they must desire the role, not from a control standpoint, but as a shepherd who loves God's sheep. Crystal and I were conversing about why people live and act certain ways. Do you know everybody in the world is not behaving the same way that God wants them to behave? Did you know that? Well, if you didn't, it should be a common occurrence for you to recognize. Our conclusion was, as we talked about it, they haven't never been transformed by the word. They have what? Conformed to the world. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by, that by testing you may discern what, the, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, Romans 12, 2. Why study scripture? I should say we study scripture. And it shapes and molds us. It teaches us things that are different from worldly standards. It shouldn't be a surprise when we have conflict. Eventually, we get to the point where worldly things bother us greatly. Or at least it should. And we mature under Christ's leadership. In a sense, by doing so, we are becoming God's assistance, but for, for fear of being too mature, where you now disown all the people of the world and you never communicate with them, that's not what God is saying, is it? No. We still need to 
make a stand but be involved in the people of this world. In a sense, when we do this, we are becoming God's assistants. Have you thought of it that way? When I learn His will, when I follow His word, when I become transformed, I'm becoming an assistant of God. By being a congregational leader's assistant, a class teacher's assistant, parents' assistants as obedient children, we are doing what a godly leader does, centering our life on God and His will. When we study, when we memorize God's word, and I know that doesn't seem to be what it used to be 40 years ago probably, when people just memorize the word of God. When we listen to it often and study to understand, we are fulfilling what God instructed Joshua. This book shall not depart your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night, Joshua 1.8. Obviously, it does not mean he had a physical scroll in his mouth at all times. But all the time he was willing to speak it. All the time he was willing to process it. Therefore, I like schools like Sunset. International Bible Institute or Bear Valley, things like that. Its purpose is to prepare its students with understanding the Word of God, to grow in teaching its message, and to live the power of the uh, to live the power of the message in a world that's fallen. It is not a school on theory, but a school that teaches meditation of God's Word. A leader who does is the title. First, he knows or she knows God. You know that God is God. You might cock your head and go, I don't understand that. But you know that God is God. And you're willing to realize that he's got a handle on things. Second, a leader who does accepts the role accepts godly responsibility and leadership in, in the family, in the church, if that's your leadership role, and in society. I tell you, our society needs Christian leaders, men and women. A leader who does meditates, dwells on God's word, keeps reading through it, as I'll embarrass Dallas, as Dallas does and studies lets it impact his life and I know there's others in here I'm not just dwells on God's word and his direction for his people the various kinds of leaders but the leader that pleases God the most is the one that looks at him first if there's anybody here today who has issues in this life that need prayer or confession or, or if you want to 
choose life in Christ by being baptized into him for forgiveness of sins, this is your opportunity to come down and have that blessing given to you by God. If there are anybody who has any need, please come forward now as together we stand and sing. For those who may not know, the arrangements of our furniture in the back is not a normal occurrence. Uh, VBS is this week, and we're dealing with Moses. And you may know that uh, I've been talking a little bit more about Joshua. But that is because Lads the Leaders this next year is dealing with Joshua. So it's just a nice happenstance that we're working these together at this time. If you've had manna for 40 years, you might be grateful for something new. For the Israelites, something new happened when they crossed the Jordan. New food and a new land. Not only was the Passover a special time for the people before they left Egypt, it was a special time right after they crossed the Jordan. But the greatest factor that must be agreed on is God's direction. God brings the victory. God upholds his promises. And the lesson is called Joshua crossing the Jordan. From God, from Joshua with expectation. The first point, from God. One of the challenges churches have in this world is forgetting where the true source of direction comes from. First and foremost, it comes from God. Second, in the case of Israel, at the time of Joshua, prior, just prior to crossing the Jordan River, Joshua is where direction came from. Joshua received direction directly from God. He may not have received it exactly the same way Moses did, but he did receive precise direction. Third, the people were expected to follow that direction. And during the time of Joshua, the people were great at following God's direction. They were great at following God's expectation. Churches, we know as people, right, who follow Christ, those who put God second tend to do th things differently in their practice. This dilemma can be seen even in the first century churches. Scripture teaches about problems in some of the churches and even among some of the local congregational leaders. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1-3, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus who is to judge the living and the dead. And by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Sometimes church leaders direct people falsely. 
and say it's from God. Sometimes the people desire change that God never has agreed on. And they get human leaders to buy into their personal desires. But following God is just that. Following God. You see, God keeps his promises. Living in our nation, as Lee pointed out this morning, is difficult to see how so many people have pursued sin against God. When we look at our nation, it's so difficult. It's not new, but it's difficult. But the followers of God have hope in whatever nation they find themselves. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Acts chapter 10, verse 35. We know that God allows nations to be set up, but we also know God can bring down nations, any nation, like Sodom and Gomorrah or northern Israel. But we also know the people of Canaan before Israel came in. They lived in great sin, according to Deuteronomy chapter 18, 9 through 14. They burned their children, male and female children, alive on their offerings to their God. This is how far they've come. Should I say anything more? But I can. They practice divination, fortunes, interpreting omens, sorcery, charms, mediums, that is witchcraft, necromancers, speakers to the dead. Did God allow them to be there in the first place? Yes. Did God give them a great deal of time to repent? Does he not everybody? Did they fall so far that God's justice had to be enforced? It seems so. And Israel was part of God's tool to bring about God's justice. God expects Israel to follow him as well. Israel is just not going to get favor for doing anything they want to, are they? They still need to follow God's expectations that he has for mankind. Is this a new concept? For Israel, the law of Moses was given. Where did it come from? God. Moses and Joshua were given major leadership roles. Who gave it to them? God did. And even Joshua was not allowed to deviate from the law of Moses. As God said to Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua 1.8 The second point from Joshua. Who was Joshua? Well, first and foremost, believe it or not, he was just a man. He was just a man but a faithful man of God. When Moses died at age 120, it is believed that Joshua would have been around age 85 years old. He was not a young man, but Joshua never considered himself old enough or wise enough 
not to listen to God. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Joshua 1, 1 through 2. You see, Joshua was God's man. It is God who gave him the leadership just after the time of Moses. And it was God who exalted Joshua in the eyes of the people after they crossed the river Jordan. Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. But Joshua followed the law of Moses in any other directions that God gave him directly. You see, Joshua was a great leader. How? How was he a great leader? Well, when God said, get ready, Joshua directed the people to get ready. When God said, cross the Jordan, Joshua directed people to cross the Jordan. When God said, let the Ark of the Covenant stand in the center of Jordan, Joshua directed the priests to do that very thing. When God said, all males who were not circumcised in the wilderness must be circumcised, Joshua directed those males to have that very thing done. When God said, walk around the city of Jericho, Joshua directed the people to do it. When God said, keep the law of Moses in your mouth day and night, what did Joshua do? He did that very thing. One of the things that the leadership of Moses and Joshua showed was their devotion to God and their willingness to obey God. This led to their great leadership. Leaders in the Lord's church recognize that Jesus is the head of the church, the body, the people who are in Christ. Jesus, who is God, has taught through the Holy Spirit on how his people, his church, are to live. Even those who are given leadership in the, in the Lord's church like elders. John 17, 20 and 21 those elders need to live as God wants them to live. John 17, 20 and 21, I do not ask for these. This is Jesus' prayer. And he's referring there to the apostles. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me, being Jesus, through their word. Whose word? The apostles. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us. How can we be in God? Through following the apostles' word. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Because in reality, only Jesus can save. Should our elders be transformed by God's word as all Christians should? Absolutely. And we, and when they share God's message... Should they be listened to? Yes. But like all God's leaders, they recognize the true, true direction does not come from them. It comes from God alone. 
And he gave us his word that we should have in our mouth all day long. Following God and his directions will help us cross our Jordan rivers that we have as a people and as individuals. The third point is with expectation. The original Israelites under Moses' leadership who left Egypt could be compared with those who came out of the wilderness and into Canaan land. I think that would be an interesting comparison study. Were they a different sort of people than those who came uh, from the those who came out of Egypt and those who came out of the wilderness? No, they were the same people, meaning they were all related. They were all Hebrews. But those two groups of people, the one that came out of Egypt and the one who came out of the wilderness, particularly the ones that went into the Jordan, Canaan land, had a different kind of expectation. The original people coming out of Egypt continued to lose hope with God and with Moses as Justin was studying and let us know about this morning. They complained. I think the passage uses grumble, right? Grumbled about food, water, and Moses' leadership. In essence, they were complaining about who set it all up in the first place. God. They were complaining about God. Even when they were recipients of God's many miracles in their lives, they feared the people of Canaan land. Numbers chapter 13 through 14. The first opportunity they had to go claim the promised land. They feared, even though they were witnesses to these great marvelous acts of God, knowing that God would take care of it. But they thought of themselves. How can we handle those people? And because of that, those 20 and older at that time were to fall in the wilderness and not enter the land of promise. But those Israelites who left the wilderness particularly those who went into Canaan land, God fed them. Their shoes did not wear out, and Moses was securely known to be God's rightful leader. So when God sent them forth, at least this is how Scripture brings it up to us. They were willing. They were eager They were ready to secure the promises of God. They were not grumblers, but were eager to hear God's message. What did God say to Joshua? What are we going to do? Joshua told us to get ready. How are we going to do that? Well, we know. Get our provisions going. Get in line. Get. They were eager to follow through on God's directions. They were expecting God to fulfill what was impossible for man. I think their example is a little bit better than the first group. I think about the people of Joshua's time. Those two spies he sent out. The first thing they had to do was cross the Jordan. At its most dangerous time 
of the season. If you remember that picture, it's a topographical, it's a valley. The water's from Mount Hermon, I believe, as they melt from the snow and the season and the rains are rushing down, overflowing the banks. It's not, a, it's not an easy river to cross. The spies crossed it. But they did it to fulfill the mission, to, fo to follow the leader, what the leader needed and wanted. Incidentally, the spies crossing does not seem to be a miracle. But it was not easy. In fact, during the time of King David, it was considered a, a heroic feat. Evidently, you know, when guys have to show their manhood or if they were a, a great heroic people, they would do, they do, women do this too, but men in general do things that prove their worth. Listen to 1 Chronicles 12, 15. This was during the time of King David. These are the men who crossed the Jordan in the first month when it was overflowing all its banks and put to flight all those in the valleys to the east and to the west. And context shows that this was a, a dangerous thing. But they did it. The people themselves who approached the Jordan had provisions all ready to go. Because Joshua said, hey, three days we're setting out to the Jordan. Get ready. Do they go, oh, we don't have enough food. Oh, we don't have enough water. Oh, no. Scripture, they went. They did what they were told to do. They understood that Joshua's message was from God. The people themselves who approached the Jordan noticed a focal point for them, the Ark of the Covenant, God's mercy seat, where God is said to have sat on his mercy seat. Of course, we know God is bigger than that. But the idea is what? They're following God. Evidently, God wanted them over in the same day. Well, if there's a million people, I mean, really? Well, he, according to statistics, with that certain a number of people, you'd need a mile stretch along the Jordan River for the people to line up to make it across. Can you imagine? I don't know how it was exactly, but say they were a mile long, or they gathered. How are we going to cross that? Don't worry. Oh, look, the Ark of the Covenant. What's going to happen? I think Joshua already knew, but did all the people know? <clears throat> did Joshua have a meeting and say, this is what's going to happen? I don't get that picture. But the people did what? They prepared to go over. They got their provisions ready and they believed that Joshua 
because of God was going to lead them into the promised land at the first of the year, at the time when the waters are running so high that only great men years later did that as heroic feats. Little children and women, older and young, how would they cross such a, a thing that grown men, strong warriors, would have a hard time doing it on their own? God had to interject himself, and God did. And the people saw it. And in the eyes of the people, Joshua was elevated because God elevated him. And the people received the blessings. These people were people of expectation. They trusted God and his servant Joshua, and they showed it. They showed it by their ready action. Which people are we more alike? The ones who came out of Egypt, complaining and grumbling and fighting all the way, or the ones who by faith believe that God's going to fulfill what he's going to set he's going to fulfill, not knowing how, but getting ready to go because they listened to the leaders that God had for them. Do you see a pattern? Do you see a pattern? But lest we think that Joshua was all that, he was just a man. But he followed as a leader God's directions. And so did the people. So the lesson is Joshua crossing the Jordan. First point from God. Where is God in your priority list? Certainly he must be first. From Joshua. If God sets up a leadership structure and those leaders follow God, let us follow them. Third, with expectation. Do you expect God to keep his promises? Have you seen heaven yet? It's right there, over there. Let's line up. Let's get ready to go and follow the directions God has for us and follow those leaders who are following him. The lesson is yours. If there's anybody here this morning who has any needs or concerns, prayer requests, or feels that they need to understand something in a more deeper spiritual way, we have two elders here and three deacons and myself and so many others who can assist you. If there's anybody here who has that need, please come forward now as together we stand and sing. For those who may not know, the arrangements of our furniture in the back is not a normal occurrence. Uh, VBS is this week and we're dealing with Moses. And you may know that uh, I've been talking a little bit more about Joshua. 
But that is because Lads the Leaders this next year is dealing with Joshua. So it's just a nice happenstance that we're working these together at this time. If you've had manna for 40 years, you might be grateful for something new. For the Israelites, something new happened when they crossed the Jordan. New food and a new land. Not only was the Passover a special time for the people before they left Egypt, it was a special time right after they crossed the Jordan. But the greatest factor that must be agreed on is God's direction. God brings the victory. God upholds his promises. And the lesson is called Joshua crossing the Jordan. From God, from Joshua with expectation. The first point, from God. One of the challenges churches have in this world is forgetting where the true source of direction comes from. First and foremost, it comes from God. Second, in the case of Israel at the time of Joshua, prior, just prior to crossing the Jordan River, Joshua is where direction came from. Joshua received direction directly from God. He may not have received it exactly the same way Moses did, but he did receive precise direction. Third, the people were expected to follow that direction. And during the time of Joshua, the people were great at following God's direction. They were great at following God's expectation. Churches, we know as people, right, who follow Christ, those who put God second tend to do things differently in their practice. This dilemma can be seen even in the first century churches. Scripture teaches about problems in some of the churches and even among some of the local congregational leaders. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 3, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Sometimes church leaders direct people falsely and say it's from God. Sometimes the people desire change that God never has agreed on. And they get human leaders to buy into their personal desires. But following God is just that. Following God. You see, God keeps his promises. Living in our nation, as Lee pointed out this morning, is difficult to see how so many people have pursued sin against God. When we look at our nation, it's so difficult. It's not new, but it's difficult. 
But the followers of God have hope in whatever nation they find themselves. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Acts chapter 10, verse 35. We know that God allows nations to be set up, but we also know God can bring down nations, any nation, like Sodom and Gomorrah or northern Israel. But we also know the people of Canaan before Israel came in. They lived in great sin, according to Deuteronomy chapter 18, 9 through 14. They burned their children, male and female children, alive on their offerings to their God. This is how far they've come. Should I say anything more? But I can. They practice divination, fortunes, interpreting omens, sorcery, charms, mediums, that is witchcraft, necromancers, speakers to the dead. Did God allow them to be there in the first place? Yes. Did God give them a great deal of time to repent? Does he not everybody? Did they fall so far that God's justice had to be enforced? It seems so. And Israel was part of God's tool to bring about God's justice. God expects Israel to follow him as well. Israel is just not going to get favor for doing anything they want to, are they? They still need to follow God's expectations that he has for mankind. Is this a new concept? For Israel, the law of Moses was given. Where did it come from? God. Moses and Joshua were given major leadership roles. Who gave it to them? God did. And even Joshua was not allowed to deviate from the law of Moses. As God said to Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua 1.8 The second point from Joshua. Who was Joshua? Well, first and foremost, believe it or not, he was just a man. He was just a man but a faithful man of God. When Moses died at age 120, it is believed that Joshua would have been around age 85 years old. He was not a young man, but Joshua never considered himself old enough or wise enough not to listen to God. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Joshua 1, 1 through 2. You see, Joshua was God's man. It is God who gave him the leadership just after the time of Moses. And it was God who exalted Joshua in the eyes of the people after they crossed the river Jordan. Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. 
But Joshua followed the law of Moses in any other directions that God gave him directly. You see, Joshua was a great leader. How? How was he a great leader? Well, when God said, get ready, Joshua directed the people to get ready. When God said, cross the Jordan, Joshua directed people to cross the Jordan. When God said, let the Ark of the Covenant stand in the center of Jordan, Joshua directed the priests to do that very thing. When God said, all males who were not circumcised in the wilderness must be circumcised, Joshua directed those males to have that very thing done. When God said, walk around the city of Jericho, Joshua directed the people to do it. When God said, keep the law of Moses in your mouth day and night, what did Joshua do? He did that very thing. One of the things that the leadership of Moses and Joshua showed was their devotion to God and their willingness to obey God. This led to their great leadership. Leaders in the Lord's church recognize that Jesus is the head of the church, the body, the people who are in Christ. Jesus, who is God, has taught through the Holy Spirit on how his people, his church, are to live. Even those who are given leadership in the, in the Lord's church like elders. John 17, 20 and 21, those elders need to live as God wants them to live. John 17, 20 and 21, I do not ask for these. This is Jesus' prayer. And he's referring there to the apostles. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me, being Jesus, through their word. Whose word? The apostles. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us. How can we be in God? Through following the apostles' word. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Because... In reality, only Jesus can save. Should our elders be transformed by God's word as all Christians should? Absolutely. And we, and when they share God's message, should they be listened to? Yes. But like all God's leaders, they recognize the true, true direction does not come from them. It comes from God alone. And he gave us his word that we should have in our mouth all day long. Following God in his directions will help us cross our Jordan rivers that we have as a people and as individuals. The third point is with expectation. The original Israelites under Moses' leadership who left Egypt could be compared with those who came out of the wilderness and into Canaan land. I think that would be an interesting comparison study. Were they a different sort of people than those who came 
uh, from the, those who came out of Egypt and those who came out of the wilderness? No, they were the same people, meaning they were all related. They were all Hebrews. But those two groups of people, the one that came out of Egypt and the one who came out of the wilderness, particularly the ones that went into the Jordan, Canaan land, had a different kind of expectation. The original people coming out of Egypt continued to lose hope with God and with Moses, as Justin was studying and let us know about this morning. They complained. I think the passage uses grumble, right? Grumbled about food, water, and Moses' leadership. Oh. In essence, they were complaining about who set it all up in the first place. God. They were complaining about God. Even when they were recipients of God's many miracles in their lives, they feared the people of Canaan land. Numbers chapter 13 through 14. The first opportunity they had to go claim the promised land. They feared, even though there were witnesses to these great marvelous acts of God, knowing that God would take care of it. But they thought of themselves. How can we handle those people? And because of that, those 20 and older at that time were to fall in the wilderness and not enter the land of promise. But those Israelites who left the wilderness, particularly those who went into Canaan land, God fed them. Their shoes did not wear out, and Moses was securely known to be God's rightful leader. So when God sent them forth, At least this is how Scripture brings it up to us. They were willing. They were eager. They were ready to secure the promises of God. They were not grumblers, but were eager to hear God's message. What God say to Joshua? What are we going to do? Joshua told us to get ready. How are we going to do that? Well, we know. Get our provisions going. Get in line. Get... They were eager to follow through on God's directions. They were expecting God to fulfill what was impossible for man. <clears throat> I think their example is a little bit better than the first group. I think about the people of Joshua's time. Those two spies they sent, he sent out. The first thing they had to do was cross the Jordan. At its most dangerous time of the season... If you remember that picture, it's a topographical, it's a valley. The water's from Mount Hermon, I believe, as they melt from the snow and the season and the rains, they're rushing down, overflowing the banks. It's not an easy river to cross. The spies crossed it. But they did it to fulfill the mission, to, to follow the leader, what the leader needed and wanted. Incidentally, the spies crossing 
does not seem to be a miracle. But it was not easy. In fact, during the time of King David, it was considered a, a heroic feat. Evidently, you know, when guys have to show their manhood, or if they were a, a great heroic people, they would do, they do, women do this too, but men in general do things that prove their worth. Listen to 1 Chronicles 12, 15. This was during the time of King David. These are the men who crossed the Jordan in the first month when it was overflowing all its banks and put to flight all those in the valleys to the east and to the west. In context shows that this was a, a dangerous thing. But they did it. The people themselves who approached the Jordan had provisions all ready to go. Because Joshua said, hey, three days we're setting out to the Jordan. Get ready. Did they go, oh, we don't have enough food. Oh, we don't have enough water. Oh, no. Scripture, they went. They did what they were told to do. They understood that Joshua's message was from God. The people themselves who approached the Jordan noticed a focal point for them, the Ark of the Covenant, God's mercy seat, where God is said to have sat on his mercy seat. Of course, we know God is bigger than that. But the idea is what? They're following God. Evidently, God wanted them over in the same day. Well, if there's a million people, I mean, really? Well, he, according to statistics, with that certain a number of people, you'd need a mile stretch along the Jordan River for the people to line up to make it across. Can you imagine? I don't know how it was exactly, but say they were a mile long, or they gathered. How are we going to cross that? Don't worry. Oh, look, the Ark of the Covenant. What's going to happen? I think Joshua already knew, but did all the people know? <clears throat> did Joshua have a meeting and say, this is what's going to happen? I don't get that picture. But the people did what? They prepared to go over. They got their provisions ready, and they believed that Joshua, because of God, was going to lead them into the promised land at the first of the year, at the time when the waters are running so high that only great men years later did that as heroic feats. Little children and women, older and young, how would they cross such a, a thing that grown men, strong warriors, would have a hard time doing it on their own? God had to interject himself, and God did. And the people saw it. And in the eyes of the people, Joshua was elevated because God elevated him, and the people 
receive the blessings. These people were people of expectation. They trusted God and his servant Joshua, and they showed it. They showed it by their ready action. Which people are we more alike? The ones who came out of Egypt, complaining and grumbling and fighting all the way, or the ones who by faith believe that God's going to fulfill what he's going to say he's going to fulfill, not knowing how, but getting ready to go because they listened to the leaders that God had for them. Do you see a pattern? Do you see a pattern? But lest we think that Joshua was all that, he was just a man. But he followed as a leader God's directions. And so did the people. So the lesson is Joshua crossing the Jordan. First point from God. Where is God in your priority list? Certainly he must be first. From Joshua. If God sets up a leadership structure and those leaders follow God, let us follow them. Third, with expectation. Do you expect God to keep his promises? Have you seen heaven yet? It's right there, over there. Let's line up. Let's get ready to go and follow the directions God has for us and follow those leaders who are following him. The lesson is yours. If there's anybody here this morning who has any needs or concerns, prayer requests, or feels that they need to understand something in a more deeper spiritual way. We have two elders here and three deacons and myself and so many others who can assist you. If there's anybody here who has that need, please come forward now as together we stand and sing. For those who may not know, the arrangements of our furniture in the back is not a normal occurrence. Uh, VBS is this week, and we're dealing with Moses. And you may know that uh, I've been talking a little bit more about Joshua. But that is because Lads the Leaders this next year is dealing with Joshua. So it's just a nice happenstance that we're working these together at this time. If you've had manna for 40 years... You might be grateful for something new. For the Israelites, something new happened when they crossed the Jordan. New food in a new land. Not only was the Passover a special time for the people before they left Egypt, it was a special time right after they crossed the Jordan. But the greatest factor that must be agreed on is God's direction. God brings the victory. God upholds his promises 
And the lesson is called Joshua Crossing the Jordan. From God, from Joshua, with expectation. The first point, from God. One of the challenges churches have in this world is forgetting where the true source of direction comes from. First and foremost, it comes from God. Second, in the case of Israel at the time of Joshua, prior, just prior to crossing the Jordan River, Joshua is where direction came from. Joshua received direction directly from God. He may not have received it exactly the same way Moses did, but he did receive precise direction. Third, the people were expected to follow that direction. And during the time of Joshua, the people were great at following God's direction. They were great at following God's expectation. Churches, we know as people, right, who follow Christ, those who put God second tend to do th things differently in their practice. This dilemma can be seen even in the first century churches. Scripture teaches about problems in some of the churches and even among some of the local congregational leaders. Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 1 through 3, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Sometimes church leaders direct people falsely and say it's from God. Sometimes the people desire change that God never has agreed on. And they get human leaders to buy into their personal desires. But following God is just that. Following God. You see, God keeps his promises. Living in our nation, as Lee pointed out this morning, is difficult to see how so many people have pursued sin against God. When we look at our nation, it's so difficult. It's not new, but it's difficult. But the followers of God have hope in whatever nation they find themselves. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Acts chapter 10, verse 35. We know that God allows nations to be set up, but we also know God can bring down nations, any nation, like Sodom and Gomorrah or northern Israel. But we also know the people of Canaan before Israel came in. They lived in great sin, according to Deuteronomy chapter 18, 9 through 14. They burned their children, male and female children, alive on their offerings to their God. This is how far they've come. Should I say anything more? But I can. 
They practice divination, fortunes, interpreting omens, sorcery, charms, mediums, that is witchcraft. Necromancers, speakers to the dead. Did God allow them to be there in the first place? Yes. Did God give them a great deal of time to repent? Does he not everybody? Did they fall so far that God's justice had to be enforced? It seems so. And Israel was part of God's tool to bring about God's justice. God expects Israel to follow him as well. Israel is just not going to get favor for doing anything they want to, are they? They still need to follow God's expectations that he has for mankind. Is this a new concept? For Israel, the law of Moses was given. Where did it come from? God. Moses and Joshua were given major leadership roles. Who gave it to them? God did. And even Joshua was not allowed to deviate from the law of Moses. As God said to Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua 1.8 The second point from Joshua. Who was Joshua? Well, first and foremost, believe it or not, he was just a man. He was just a man but a faithful man of God. When Moses died at age 120, it is believed that Joshua would have been around age 85 years old. He was not a young man, but Joshua never considered himself old enough or wise enough not to listen to God. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Joshua 1, 1 through 2. You see, Joshua was God's man. It is God who gave him the leadership just after the time of Moses. And it was God who exalted Joshua in the eyes of the people after they crossed the river Jordan. Joshua chapter 3, verse 7. But Joshua followed the law of Moses in any other directions that God gave him directly. You see, Joshua was a great leader. How? How was he a great leader? Well, when God said, get ready, Joshua directed the people to get ready. When God said, cross the Jordan, Joshua directed people to cross the Jordan. When God said, let the Ark of the Covenant stand in the center of Jordan, Joshua directed the priests to do that very thing. When God said, all males who were not circumcised in the wilderness must be circumcised, Joshua directed those males to have that very thing done. When God said, walk around the city of Jericho, Joshua directed the people to do it. 
When God said, keep the law of Moses in your mouth day and night, what did Joshua do? He did that very thing. One of the things that the leadership of Moses and Joshua showed was their devotion to God and their willingness to obey God. This led to their great leadership. Leaders in the Lord's church recognize that Jesus is the head of the church, the body, the people who are in Christ. Jesus, who is God, has taught through the Holy Spirit on how his people, his church, are to live. Even those who are given leadership in the, in the Lord's church like elders. John 17, 20 and 21, those elders need to live as God wants them to live. John 17, 20 and 21, I do not ask for these. This is Jesus' prayer. And he's referring there to the apostles. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who believe in me, being Jesus, through their word. Whose word? The apostles. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us. How can we be in God? Through following the apostles' word. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Because, in reality, only Jesus can save. Should our elders be transformed by God's word as all Christians should? Absolutely. And we, and when they share God's message, should they be listened to? Yes. But like all God's leaders, they recognize the true, true direction does not come from them. It comes from God alone. And he gave us his word that we should have in our mouth all day long. Following God and his directions will help us cross our Jordan rivers that we have as a people and as individuals. The third point is with expectation. The original Israelites under Moses' leadership who left Egypt could be compared with those who came out of the wilderness and into Canaan land. I think that would be an interesting comparison study. Were they a different sort of people than those who came uh, from the those who came out of Egypt and those who came out of the wilderness? No, they were the same people, meaning they were all related. They were all Hebrews. But those two groups of people, the one that came out of Egypt and the one who came out of the wilderness, particularly the ones that went into the Jordan, Canaan land, had a different kind of expectation. The original people coming out of Egypt continued to lose hope with God and with Moses as Justin was studying and let us know about this morning. They complained. I think the passage uses grumble, right? Grumbled 
about food, water, and Moses' leadership. Oh. In essence, they were complaining about who set it all up in the first place. God. They were complaining about God. Even when they were recipients of God's many miracles in their lives, they feared the people of Canaan land. Numbers chapter 13 through 14. The first opportunity they had to go claim the promised land. They feared, even though there were witnesses to these great marvelous acts of God, knowing that God would take care of it. But they thought of themselves. How can we handle those people? And because of that, those 20 and older at that time were to fall in the wilderness and not enter the land of promise. But those Israelites who left the wilderness, particularly those who went into Canaan land, God fed them. Their shoes did not wear out, and Moses was securely known to be God's rightful leader. So when God sent them forth, at least this is how Scripture brings it up to us. They were willing. They were eager. They were ready to secure the promises of God. They were not grumblers, but were eager to hear God's message. What God say to Joshua? What are we going to do? Joshua told us to get ready. How are we going to do that? Well, we know. Get our provisions going. Get in line. Get. They were eager to follow through on God's directions. They were expecting God to fulfill what was impossible for man. <clears throat> I think their example is a little bit better than the first group. I think about the people of Joshua's time. Those two spies they sent, he sent out. The first thing they had to do was cross the Jordan at its most dangerous time of the season. If you remember that picture, it's a topographical. It's a valley. The water's from Mount Hermon, I believe, as they melt from the snow and the season and the rains are rushing down, overflowing the banks. It's not an easy river to cross. The spies crossed it. But they did it to fulfill the mission, to, to follow the leader, what the leader needed and wanted. Incidentally, the spies crossing does not seem to be a miracle. But it was not easy. In fact, during the time of King David... It was considered a, a heroic feat. Evidently, you know, when guys have to show their manhood. Or if they were a, a great heroic people, they would do, they do, women do this too, but men in general do things that prove their worth. Listen to 1 Chronicles 12, 15. This was during the time of King David. These are the men who crossed the Jordan in the first month when it was overflowing all its banks and put to flight all those in the valleys to the east and to the west. And context shows that this was a, a dangerous thing. But they did it.
The people themselves who approached the Jordan had provisions all ready to go. Because Joshua said, hey, three days we're setting out to the Jordan. Get ready. Did they go, oh, we don't have enough food. Oh, we don't have enough water. Oh, no. Scripture, they went. They did what they were told to do. They understood that Joshua's message was from God. The people themselves who approached the Jordan noticed a focal point for them, the Ark of the Covenant, God's mercy seat, where God is said to have sat on his mercy seat. Of course, we know God is bigger than that. But the idea is what? They're following God. Evidently, God wanted them over in the same day. Well, if there's a million people, I mean, really? Well, he, according to statistics, with that certain a number of people, you'd need a mile stretch along the Jordan River for the people to line up to make it across. Can you imagine? I don't know how it was exactly, but say they were a mile long or they gathered. How are we going to cross that? Don't worry. Oh, look, the Ark of the Covenant. What's going to happen? I think Joshua already knew, but did all the people know? <clears throat> did Joshua have a meeting and say, this is what's going to happen? I don't get that picture. But the people did what? They prepared to go over. They got their provisions ready, and they believed that Joshua, because of God, was going to lead them into the promised land at the first of the year, at the time when the waters are running so high that only great men years later did that as heroic feats. Little children and women, older and young, how would they cross such a, a thing that grown men, strong warriors, would have a hard time doing it on their own? God had to interject himself, and God did. And the people saw it. And in the eyes of the people, Joshua was elevated because God elevated him. And the people received the blessings. These people were people of expectation. They trusted God and his servant Joshua, and they showed it. They showed it by their ready action. Which people are we more alike? The ones who came out of Egypt, complaining and grumbling and fighting all the way, or the ones who, by faith, believe that God's going to fulfill what he's going to said he's going to fulfill, not knowing how, but getting ready to go, because they listened to the leaders that God had for them.
Do you see a pattern? Do you see a pattern? But lest we think that Joshua was all that, he was just a man. But he followed as a leader God's directions. And so did the people. So the lesson is Joshua crossing the Jordan, first point from God. Where is God in your priority list? Certainly he must be first. From Joshua. If God sets up a leadership structure and those leaders follow God, let us follow them. Third, with expectation. Do you expect God to keep his promises? Have you seen heaven yet? It's right there, over there. Let's line up. Let's get ready to go and follow the directions God has for us and follow those leaders who are following him. The lesson is yours. If there's anybody here this morning who has any needs or concerns, prayer requests, or feels that they need to understand something in a more deeper spiritual way. We have two elders here and three deacons and myself and so many others who can assist you. If there's anybody here that has that need, please come forward now as together we stand and sing. There's a